chapter 13. Grace and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, by the presence of His Holy Spirit among us and within every single believer. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're at the Last Supper with Jesus and the disciples. Last Sunday, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, even though Peter protested vehemently. A powerful, wonderful passage. So now the foot washing has been accomplished. Fascinating that John doesn't tell us exactly where the, the Lord's Supper happened in the meal. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all talk about it. John wrote his gospel last, so it seems like John thought, uh, I'm going to focus on other things. Everybody else covered that topic. But the foot washing has been accomplished, and now the an unsettling moment for Jesus, more so than the disciples. John chapter Now, before the feast no, of the Passover, when Jesus knew, oh, I'm sorry, Josh, let's do verse 21, John. Okay. Helps when the passion's in the right verse, amen. <laughs> After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit. Have you heard that before? No. Jesus ever been troubled in his spirit before? Yeah, it was a few chapters back with uh, the death of Lazarus. Jesus heard, felt, and experienced all the grief of Mary and Martha and all the friends on their way to the tomb. And in that moment, it says, the text says that Jesus was troubled in his spirit. Same exact word here. Different troubling to his spirit this time. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, amen, amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me. What's troubling Jesus' spirit now? Someone he's been doing ministry and life with for three years, pretty much 24-7. Someone who he's sent out on ministry uh, events, two by two, right? Jesus sent them out, and they healed the sick. says they raised the dead, they cast out demons, did some amazing works. Someone who's done all those things who's been with him all the way is going to betray him. That would trouble your spirit, wouldn't it? Now, it's interesting. At the jail Bible study, I asked how many of the men there, and there were four of us told us, and how many of you have been, been betrayed by somebody really close to you in your lifetime? Without hesitation, all four hands went up. Kind of shocked. Somebody asked this morning, how many of you have been betrayed, somewhere along the line in your life, by somebody really close to you? Let's see, show of hands. I'd say a third for sure. Didn't think it would be, I mean, it's such a huge, ugly, powerful thing, right? You didn't expect it to be such a common experience. It relatively is. Experience for Jesus. It's troubling him in a huge way. Verse 22. So, I don't know. You, you live, the 12 disciples, you live together, you, you worship together, you minister together for three whole years. Don't you think these guys would have an idea who the betrayer is? No. Zero. Verse 22, the disciples looked at one another. And the, the word there, looked, to us in our industry, sounds like, you know, a momentary, but it's ongoing. They're like, they're all looking around the room going, 
this goes on for a while. They kept on looking at each other, um, uncertain of whom he spoke. They had no clue. This is John writing this gospel. John among the closest to Jesus, right? Peter, James, and John, those three were the closest. So he had no idea. Verse 23, one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, John himself, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. Now, they, they would sit around the table. The normal thing was you lean on your left elbow, and you, you do because we're mostly right-handed, right? You do your eating and your drinking with your right hand. So you recline at the table all the way around, so you've got one person reclining right next to you and one person reclining behind you. It's obvious that John is one of them who is right next to Jesus, apparently in front of him. I'm guessing, it doesn't have to be, but I'm guessing that Judas may have been the one right behind him because he's really close. We'll see why. Verse 24. So Simon Peter motioned to him, to John, to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. Wouldn't you love to be there in this moment? So, you know, it's kind of like, John's going, I don't know how much of this is going on. The nonverbal communication, men are really bad at it. So, so it goes on for a while. You're like, no, I don't. John's like, where am I? So, verse 25. So, that disciple leaning back against Jesus, you just can picture it, right? Imagine it. He leans back a little bit, turns, and says, Lord, you know. Now, this would be probably whispered, right? I mean, it's not like, Lord, who's the man? You know, out in front of the whole group, but he says, Verse 26, Jesus answered, just to him, Jesus and John, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. The word morsel there, it sounds a little bit yuckier, but it literally be like sop. And so you dig in this, we don't know this stuff, right? But, but here's the deal. So they got all these items at the meal. And so this refers to sops. So they would take a chunk of bread. They would dip it in this uh, meat Meat, chunks of meat and this meat sauce kind of thing. They dip it in that, and then they might touch it in this uh, herb, bitter herb sauce kind of thing. And but it was it was kind of like the best of the best of the meal. So when the host, if the host of the meal dipped this morsel, this sop, and gave it to you as a gesture of honor, of uh, I love you a lot, you're 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 my bestie, that kind of thing. So Jesus takes the sop, the bestie, and he gives it to the one who is going to betray him. Now, it's really good to know that this is happening. Jesus is, as it turns out, this is Jesus' very last opportunity and moment and gesture to let Judas know, I love you. Are you, re are you really going to do this? I love you. So it's kind of like uh, birthday cake time. And my mom knew that I liked frosting a lot. So she, would, what would she do when she was my birthday? She would dip, which piece of cake would she go for? The one with the most frosting on it. Same kind of principle. Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when Jesus had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Now, who at the table knows who the betrayer is? Jesus, obviously, and John. And that's it. Does, does Peter know? No. Jesus only told John, the one I, what I hand this to. So he gives it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, verse 27. 
And after he had taken the morsel, so Judas receives it. After he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Why and what's happening here? Jesus gives this special, special treat to Judas. It's an act of love and connection. And Judas in that moment chooses what? Not to receive it from Lord, Savior, Messiah, Master. He chooses as he receives the, the morsel, that precious thing, he chooses to reject the giver. And in that, that was his last chance. And in that last chance, he makes the choice and gives himself over to whom? Satan himself. John, sitting there watching this whole thing develop and, and records it for us, he knew it. He saw it. Somehow, somehow he knew it. Satan enters into Judas to compel him to do what he's already chosen, decided to do, but to compel him to follow through. Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, to Judas, what you are going to do, do quickly. I mean, Jesus has gone through all of, I mean, yeah. Get after it. Don't don't dilly-dally. Let's get this done. So Jesus says that out loud. All the disciples hear it. What you're going to do, do quickly. Uh, verse 28. Now, no one at the table knew why Jesus said this to him. Some thought, some thought, not even John apparently understood it. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, say this with me, he, he immediately, immediately went, went out, out, and all together now, and it was, was night. night. Why does John bother to tell us what some commentators think that as, as Judas opened the door to leave the room, that it may have allowed visual sight outside, and then John's noting it was dark, it was night. But when you look at the whole Gospel of John, he plays with light and dark through the entire Gospel to, to signify and mean the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. So when Nicodemus came to Jesus, the Pharisee came to Jesus back in chapter 3, what does it say? John says, he came out of the night, out of the darkness, to Jesus and asked him these questions. What was he telling? Nicodemus was coming out of the darkness and to the light. And we know that later on, Nicodemus had faith. Here we see the opposite direction, amen? amen. Who's Judas been hanging out with for three years? The perfect light of God himself. And in this moment, he chooses what? To go out into the darkness. So I'm going to go back to, to John chapter 1, because John's doing this. <laughs> He's thinking it. He's realizing it later. John chapter 1, verse 1. This is how John began his gospel. This is how he's processing this whole experience with Jesus, the disciples, and this moment with Judas. So John chapter 1, verse 1, John writes, In the beginning was the Word. Now you come to find out later, the Word is Jesus himself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God in the beginning. And the word was God. Jesus has always been God. Say glory. Glory. He was in the beginning with God. So you got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They were all there together from the beginning. We didn't add on the other parts later. Amen. The three have always been three. The three have always been one. Say glory. Glory. All things were made through him, through Jesus. 
And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the what? Light of men. And the light shines in the where? In the darkness. And the darkness has what? Not overcome it. Does John need this truth in the moment where G Judas takes the morsel, chooses in here? Nope, you're not mine. I'm going to go sell you out for 30 pieces of silver. He goes out into the darkness. He goes away from the light into the darkness to serve the Lord of the dark kingdom. What does John need to, what does John come back to? I wonder if he comes back to this. shining bright in the darkness. You know what? Even this darkness, even Judas, selling out the Lord. John doesn't understand it all in this moment. But even as he looks back, Judas selling out Jesus, setting him up for the cross and the crucifixion, even that darkness does not overcome the light. Because Easter comes yet, Christ is risen! He has risen indeed. Light conquers the darkness. So Judas goes out to serve. I've been thinking about and pondering, you know, when to kind of do an, an update on, on the world and end times, all kind of stuff. We're not going to do that today. We're going to do a little, a little thing because it connects here to Judas in the darkness. So Judas goes into the darkness and he betrays the Lord. But the light shines and the darkness does not overcome it. We got Satan's activity that John notes in a very direct way, entering Judas and carrying out the betrayal, right? So go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to pick two or three passages here today. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. So I'm thinking about Satan's activity on this night at the Last Supper using Judas. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. Here Paul's writing about the end times and answering some questions. And he says, Hey, you guys, the day of the Lord hasn't happened yet. The rapture hasn't happened yet. He said, I taught you about these things. And so he's summarizing his teaching. We're way down the line here in verse 9. He talks about the lawless one. That's the Antichrist, okay, at the end. So Paul says in verse 9, the coming of the lawless one, the Antichrist, uh, is by the activity of whom? Satan. Who's behind it? Satan's behind it. By the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, with all wicked deception. Now, is Judas, has he succumbed to wicked deception? He sure has. Has he? How has he failed to recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, the only Son of God? He's seen every single miracle with his own eyes. He's heard every pure truth dripping from heaven's sermon Jesus has ever done. He's seen him love and correct and all those things. He's preceded himself. Somehow he chooses the darkness and wicked deception from the enemy, he, he lets it happen. With all wicked deception for those who are perishing, as Judas did, because they refuse, say with me, they re refuse to love of the, the truth, truth and be saved. And we're, I'm going to keep coming back to this every now and then, because when you look at all the end time stuff, when you look at all the things in scripture, it's, it's huge. What does Jesus say over and over? Don't be deceived. Well, how do I keep from being deceived? I love the truth. I major in it. I get to know it really well, and I hang on to it. I discern everything that comes my way based on the truth. So is our culture just introducing new things like crazy in the last 10, 15 years? 
marriage, it doesn't have to be man or woman, gender, you can choose it yourself, you just go on and on and on, right? But well, how do we, what do we do with these new things that keep being tossed our way and ingrained in our schools and all kinds of things? We bring it to the what? We bring it to the, the truth. And we discern with the truth. So, so what does Paul say here? He says, the ones who are going to hell, who are perishing, are those who have refused to love the truth. For whatever reason, Judas refused to love the truth that Jesus is the Messiah. And I should give my life to serve him. Whatever way he asks me to serve him. Verse 11. Therefore God sends them, the people who, re who refuse to love the truth, we see this happening in our culture around us in a really big way right now. People refusing to love the truth, believing in this gender stuff, all this ridiculous stuff. Just believing it and trumpeting and then hating us for not embracing it with open arms. Embracing foolishness, ridiculousness, lies. Why would we do that? Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. In order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And we see that happening in our culture. Do they actually rejoice in and have a good time flouting God, the truth, holiness, righteousness? I don't, I can't even, sometimes, once in a while, somebody's brave on Facebook and they'll put something out there. Uh, somebody a week or so ago put out a, just a little story. Didn't even comment, just a little story said, Oh, they had a drag queen story hour at the Minnesota Zoo. Just put that little news item up there. Holy smokes. The Facebook wars again. And folks, it was, as you would expect, it was people with truth doing their best to love on folks and share the truth. And it was the opposite. Calling those who stand on truth idiots, you know, horrible, not they would use the word Pharisee, self-righteous and off the charts. It's right here. God sends them a strong delusion so they may, may believe what is false. For all may be condemned and not believe the truth but have pleasure and righteousness. Uh, Matthew chapter 24. You know that's in the zone of the end time stuff, right? Matthew 24 and 25 are huge teaching from Jesus disciples about the end times. Matthew 24, we'll pick up at verse 10. Jesus talking about at the end. Verse 10. In the midst of the great tribulation, verse 10, Jesus says, then many will fall away. He's talking about Christians, people who have been following Jesus. And then he says, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. You're looking at Judas. Was he just selling out Jesus? He was selling out his 11 best, closest friends for the last three years. He was selling them out, too. Many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Verse 11, many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Now, I'm going to stop you for a second and just tell you, America is awash in false prophets right now. Awash. Every single one I check out, and I don't do that a lot, okay? But uh, uh, one gal came in July to this region and did some prophecy and stuff. I'm thankful she put it on. She put a summary of it online on her website. So I checked it out. It was really great. She said, God says these things are going to happen in August. So I wrote them down. 
Uh, what month are we in now? October. October. The thing she said would happen in August? Zero for eight. Okay. Now, am I condemning the person? I am not. God loves her. So do I. I pray that she comes to Jesus in a new way with her blinders taken off. What, what was she prophesying? She was prophesying her personal heart's desire. Good things. One we would, we would rejoice at most of the things that they were to happen. Was she hearing from God about those things? No, she was hearing from her own heart. Is she a prophet? No, she is not. Should anyone listen to her? No, they should not. I'm, I'm not kidding, folks. Every person I bother to take the time to research, this is what I find. Zero for whatever. Zero for whatever. And America is awash in that kind of prophecy. Am I saying there are no true prophets? I'm not saying that. I'm saying what? Many false prophets will arise and, and do what? And lead many, many astray. astray. This is why I will continue to warn you on regular occasions. You must, if you're going to read prophets, if you're going to go listen to prophets, you must do due diligence. I can't be where I can't be everywhere you are. The internet brings the whole world to your home. Amen. Yeah. You must do due diligence. If you're going to listen to prophets, if you need to, don't, don't send me 50. Say, check this person out. You can do that yourself, right? Write it down. See if it comes true or not. But they will lead many astray. I see their crowds full of people hanging on every word, and I'm like, concerning the truth, loving the truth. Verse 12. Because lawlessness will be increased, holy buckets. Is that, is that going on anywhere around here? Because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. We understand it. It's harder and harder to love people when they're being so ridiculous and violent. Are we still called to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us? Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's hard, but we are. But the one who endures to the end. I don't know, October. <laughs> Oh, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I need endurance. I need endurance. Are you on your own in that, or is he going to help you supply that? He'll help you. you got to be asking. We need endurance until the end to be saved. Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26, we're going to dive right into verse 17. It's in the middle of a speech of the Apostle Paul defending himself to King Agrippa. He's telling about his testimony, how he got saved, how Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. It's a powerful, beautiful thing. We're going to jump right into verse 17. So God is speaking to Paul. In verse 17, God says, you're going to be deli I'm delivering you from your people. The, the Jews are trying to kill him. God says, I'm delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you. Verse 18, why is God sending Paul to the Gentiles? To open their eyes so that they may turn from what? Darkness. From darkness to what? Light. To light. And from the power of whom? Satan. Satan to God. God. That they, say this with me now. That they may, may receive, receive forgiveness, forgiveness of sins 
and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Do we hunker down and go hide our light in the closet and let this all blow over? No. Heaven says no. Heaven says shine your light. Step out, shine it some more. Don't hold back. Don't hide it. Shine your light some more. Because you know what? There are some folks out there who God will change hearts. There's some folks out there who are hungry for light but haven't seen it or heard it yet. And when they see it and hear it, they'll be, they'll be drawn to it. What's going to happen in Rochester today, the Soldier Field? Some people who have been drawn to it and being prayed for, they're going to hear Franklin Graham, by the grace of God, present the clear, truthful, unadulterated gospel. Satan to God. It's going to happen today. So we go back to John 1 to finish it up. Chapter 1, verse 4. In Jesus was light. The light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. Can't overcome it. Will never overcome it. Stand in that. Endure in that. Go forth back and you must you must be vigilant to love the truth yourself are we getting tired of always having to share the truth with people who are going off the deep end of their positions are we getting tired of that okay ask for refreshment from the lord we must keep on loving the truth we must keep on sharing the truth we must keep on discerning the truth this thought as we come up for communion. Do it, do it again. Like you're you're coming out of, do, do, a, do a Nicodemus, okay? Like you're coming out of the darkness and you're coming to the light. Why do we light candles? They're pretty. They have a calming influence. They represent the light that was Jesus Christ. So, so we're, again, every day we're coming from the darkness of the world and its foolishness and it, it's pleasure and unrighteousness and we're coming every day out of the darkness and we're coming to the light we're going to take that light back with us shine it more let's pray that almighty we feel for Judas we feel for every single person who's making that choice who's going into the darkness on purpose oh God have mercy may it be have mercy God help us to love people even if they're in the darkness and bouncing off a wall, even if they're making the Judas choice, help us to love Jesus. That's why his, trouble, his spirit was troubled. Help us to love him, God. Give us opportunities to speak, to shine. Jesus, change people's eternal destination in their lives. Now. Glory to you, Lord. God, help us every day to turn our backs in the darkness and come into the light. We're going to shine a light crazy in and through us. Our words, our thoughts, our deeds, shining the glory of Jesus. God, we thank you for this time at your table. We're going to confess our sins here. We're going to taste the body and blood that you gave for us. You paid for our sins. You washed us clean. We rejoice in this meal and the promise of heaven.
night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, he gave thanks, gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.